from F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming, this is Missile Minutia, the official podcast of the 90th Missile Wing and the Wranglers of F.E. Warren. Here are your hosts. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am Glenn Robertson with the Public Affairs Office. Unfortunately, Sergeant Placey is not able to join us today. I am going to be interviewing two folks from the Wing Staff Agency, one the museum director and the other one the base historian, Paula Taylor and Kyle Brislin. Paula, how are you doing today? I am awesome. How are you today? I'm doing great to be here with you guys. Thanks for asking. How about you, Kyle? How are you doing? It's a wonderful day to work in the Air Force. This is going to be a fun one. That's so. Okay. We are actually going to be discussing a little bit of the Wrangler culture, the history of the base. Um, We might take a few side roads because we tend to do that, Paula, Kyle, and I. Um, But one way or the other, we will get through this, and hopefully there will be some information that people will enjoy listening to. So regarding Wrangler history, we've recently taken on this name of Wranglers or retaken this name of Wranglers. To your best knowledge, where did that name, the Wrangler name, originally come from, and what was it used for? So, interestingly, the 90th Missile Wing employed the Trooper as its original mascot, which I'll let Paula get into a little bit later, but it looks like through the sources that we've been able to find and look at and examine that the Wrangler became a permanent part of the 90th Missile Wing culture around 1994. But outside of the few documents which highlight kind of this chronological shift and or evolutionary shift in mascots within the Missile Wings, We really have a lack of sources that detail why we chose the Wrangler initially. It would have been interesting to be on a fly on the wall during those conversations. Unfortunately, that aspect of history, you know, during the 60s and 70s, and even, you know, when you get into the 80s, that cultural aspect of history wasn't well documented or preserved. So Kyle had mentioned that, Paula, you've got something about the trooper. What, uh, how does that play into it? Well, in Bicentennial of the United States, uh, the museum was opening and the city of Cheyenne was celebrating their anniversaries and a group was started that was the 5th Cavalry Organized which had been a cavalry troop here in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s and this group was reenacting that original group. Because of that we had 20 or 30 men dressed up in historic uniforms of a cavalry officer and troops from the 1870s Indian Wars time period. And because we had access to this type of outfit, it was very logical just to take that on. Because we had been open 153 years, it just seemed to fit the whole nature of who we were and what we were. So you know, you kind of mentioned when you were talking earlier, Kyle, um, that there's a shortage of information, things aren't exactly clear. Are there any like straight conflicts? Are there anything that, that doesn't quite jive in the documented history as to who used the name Wrangler first? Absolutely, yeah. Like I was talking about, there's really some conflicting sources out there about us in Malmstrom Air Force Base on who employed the Wrangler as its mascot. But also there's this additional thing where some bases had team names and they also had mascots. So the sources kind of highlight that the 341st Missile Wing over at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana utilized the Wrangler first as its mascot. 
However, F.E. Warren was known as a team as the Warren Wranglers, creating this kind of unique scenario where the same name's being used for two different reasons, I guess. Sure. I guess it doesn't help that two cultures of Montana and Wyoming, uh, they kind of probably lend themselves pretty well to having some kind of overlap with the uh, the Western culture. But yeah, it is kind of interesting to, you know, both of those cultures adopt that Wrangler personification sure. as a great way to create morale in the early, early days of the missile competitions when they started employing mascots for, sure. you know, friendly banter. Sure, makes sense. Um, but by 1994, we see a... a a conclusive shift, I guess, in mascots and names to where the 90th Missile Wing is the Warren Wranglers. They have the Wrangler mascot, and that becomes kind of a solidified aspect of its culture. Gotcha. Interesting. So you kind of already got into this, um, but just for clarification's sake, uh, the official documented usage that you found, that was about 1994, you said? For the both the Wrangler and the as a mascot and as a team name. Gotcha. Okay. Actually, around 1970s is when we see the Warren Wranglers first mentioned as a team in the missile competition. Gotcha. Okay. Um, this is both shown through document primary sources as well as oral histories that around 1971 is when we see the Warren Wranglers as a team first mentioned. Okay. But during this time, it is important to note that that wasn't the mascot though; it was still the troopers. Gotcha off air, you know, you and I have talked about some of this before. Um, you shared a story with me that I really enjoyed. Could you share that story that you found about the uh, the Wrangler and more broadly about the, the mascots of Global Strike and SAC? Absolutely, yeah, and I know Paula has a little stuff she wants to talk about sure. as well with more of the culture behind it and the development of individual mascots, but the development of team names and mascots uh, emerged during the Strategic Air Command days. Sure. So, Missile Combat Challenge first emerged in 1967 under the nickname Curtain Razor. Missileers competed for a variety of reasons um, to challenge their skills, but to also discuss effective ways for solving operational problems that may emerge, and just for improving mission operations. So it created this friendly environment, but also competitive, that, that put the missileers to the test in, in an encouraging, but also competitive manner, sure. I guess is the best sure. way to put it. Um, for five days, missile combat crews from Strategic Air Command's um, ICBM wings competed for the Blanchard Trophy and to be named the best missile wing within the command. Um, unfortunately, SAT canceled Curtain Razor the next year due to a variety of reasons, but the command revived the event the following year, renaming it Olympic Arena. So okay. as this missile competition evolved throughout the years, naturally, you have bunch of Air Force members, missileers competing, competition and friendly banter emerge. So what we see is the development of distinct team names, distinct mascots um, that continue to evolve until what we have today, which is, you know, the Warren Wranglers, the Malmstrom Grizzlies. Um, but they actually started out a little different. And over the years, uh, but like I said, in 1994, there was a distinct change. And then once we transitioned back to Global Strike, there was another change as well in mascots. But they kind of just emerged out of this a, it's morale building. Sure. We can all unite under the same team name. Sure. You know, defines culture, but it, it just makes for friendly banter as well. Like, you know, Paul is going to talk a little bit about one of the mascots is a stump. Is a stump. A stump. Okay. A stump, yes. Please do tell yes. about the stump. Well, I've heard of the stump multiple times, and in an oral history interview, I heard about it again. Okay. And basically, what happened is that Whiteman didn't have a mascot. 
they drove a Cadillac around base, and that was kind of what their thing was. A Cadillac. A Cadillac. And well, then at least they got class. They got jealous because yeah. all the other bases had these cool mascots, and they didn't know what they were going to do. So basically, they were walking in the forest area and found a stump. Here's our mascot. This they is, this became is a, known as the Stump Guys. The Stump Guys. The Stump Guys. Stump not, Guys. They were very proud of it. They were proud of their stump. And it was okay. painted in multiple colors each okay. year. Okay. And it was used and taken to the event and was honored well, that's by kinda, them. Which is kind of cool sure. when you think about it. Well, yeah. Most of these mascots make logical sense. Sure. You know, Vandenberg Hawks, the Patrick Sharks. I mean, if you're in Florida, yeah, that makes sure. sense. Peterson Knights. Minot Rough Riders with Teddy Roosevelt. Sure. And I was told that they had the coolest add-on to their mascot. They carried axe handles, and they would hold them like a staff. Mm -hmm. And when something was celebrating for them, they would hit it on the ground and make this thud that would resonate throughout the whole conference room and just enlivened everybody. Some I am told. I, I, uh, something that somebody's remembered from the 70s. Sure, sure. That that, that was kind of cool. Then you have the Malmstrom Grizzlies, of course, sure. up in uh, Montana. That makes sense. And rightly so, we became the Wranglers. That sure. in Wyoming, it just makes, makes sense. Sure. Perfect sense. So this one is more for you, Paula, I think. In your opinion, how do you see the name Wrangler fitting into the 90th Missile Wing, and more particularly, Epi Warren and our early days as D.A. Russell? Well, I'm somewhat biased. Most of you know I'm a fifth generation ranch daughter, so my heart is always in Wyoming. And because of that, we're located with our base in the state of Wyoming, which is known as the Cowboy State. And the logo for Wyoming is Steamboat, the bucking horse with a, a rider riding on it. And you find it abundantly throughout Wyoming on all kinds of things. I also Personally, I believe that the Wyoming Code of Ethics, which was adopted in March 3rd of, excuse me, 2010, can play in part to this mascot of us being named the Wranglers. I don't know if any of you know what the Code of Ethics is all about, but our Wyoming State Legislature passed the 10 ethics derived from the book Cowboy Ethics by James P. Owen. And I'd like to just mention those 10 ethics because I think they typify what we as airmen are doing on this base in a western way. One, live each day with courage. Two, take pride in your work. Three, always finish what you start. Four, do what has to be done. Five, be tough, be fair. When you make a promise, keep it is number six. Seven, ride for the brand. Eight, talk less say more nine remember that some things are not for sale and lastly ten know where to draw the line and i really believe that effie warren airman does all ten of these ethics outstandingly in our state of wyoming that's good that's really good Cool. Well, that has probably been one of the more interesting interviews I've conducted in the four years I've been here. I'd like to say thank you to Miss Paula Taylor. And, and thank you, Mr. Kyle Brisland, for being available. Thank you for allowing us to share some of our heritage that we both love with everybody else at our base. 
you know, I'm happy for the opportunity. I'm really glad that you guys were available. Uh, Kyle, any last parting shots? Thanks for having us on, Glenn. Glad to share the history and heritage of the naive missile at the Air Force Base. Sure. If anyone has any questions, feel free to come by the museum for, you know, to check everything out, check out the history. You're supposed to be a good ring if you want to talk more about history. Sure. For anyone listening at home, if you want to get in touch with the museum, the phone number is 307-773-2980. That number again is 773-2980. That is our podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and uh, hopefully you got as much out of it as I did. We will see you next time where we interview and talk to the folks from the Area Defense Council. Thanks again.